welcome to the Policy in Plainer English podcast. I'm Helen Laban, and today we're talking on the theme I'd like to call paperwork is important, like really important. You hear this come up a lot in healthcare around issues of administrative burden, clinician burnout, getting together the data in a usable format, like what we discussed in previous episodes for V-Cures and the total cost of care. Today, we're talking with two representatives from the Office of the Healthcare Advocate about the paperwork that comes along with receiving health insurance through Medicaid and Medicare. Marjorie Stinchcomb, and I'm the supervising hotline attorney. Amelia Schlossberg, I'm the healthcare communications coordinator at the Office of the Healthcare Advocate. Now, Amelia and Marjorie are neither the creators of the paperwork nor the fillers out of the paperwork. They're the people who get called when something's gone wrong with the paperwork. These problems come to their attention primarily through the helpline run by Vermont Legal Aid and their partner agency, Legal Services Vermont. It feels like there are three different kinds of notice problems. There's false alarms where someone calls and says, oh my gosh, this bad thing is happening, help, help, help. And when our advocates actually get a copy of the notice, it turns out that bad things are not happening, everything is okay, and the advocate can explain things are fine, here's what you need to do next, or maybe things are fine, you don't have to do anything, this was just a routine notice letting you know things are fine. And then there are also notices that don't give any alarm at all. Folks get them, they open them, they look at them, they toss them out but actually things are going very badly. Bad things are about to happen or have happened and they need to take action immediately and they don't. They don't realize that. So they call us maybe six months later. Hopefully they call us a couple days later just for something else. But sometimes they call us six months later or two years later saying, I have a different issue. And we look back and get a copy of the notices to resolve the issue they're calling about and find out, oh, you actually got this notice with really important information six months ago. You didn't realize it, you didn't act, and now you're hugely stuck. And the last kind of notice that I think comes up occasionally is people just go on wild goose chases. So they get a notice saying thing one, and they interpret it or they misinterpret it, and they try and do thing two or three or five or seven, and they've just spent a lot of hours on the phone, a lot of hours digging through their documents, and really they're just kind of going on a wild goose chase. So those are the the three issues that we see on the helpline, I would say. Anyone who has filled out paperwork of any kind will be familiar with these problems. However, in this context, the problems are both particularly easy to fall into and have particularly severe consequences. There is a basic formula for a good notice. We're looking for a notice that says who it's about, somewhere easy to see, the name, that it has a date for when something's going to happen, that it says what's going to happen, and it says why is it happening. And the appeal rights... And those are hard to put in plain language, those pieces, though. Who is it happening to? What's happening? Why is it happening? And the piece that we really hope to have the most plain language is what should you do about it? And the what should you do about it has so many options that that can be really, people can get really stuck there. And there's a team of people at the Agency of Human Services reviewing notices before they're unleashed upon an unsuspecting public. They have lawyers, policy and communication staff, and benefits specialists plus input from stakeholders. When they're in development, they do send us drafts of the notices to a bunch of different stakeholders who are working with different population groups to get comments to try to make it more readable. So then why does it go wrong? There are a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's the number of notices. For example, there's a grace period for delinquent payments. And when you get a run of notices that don't require immediate action, it can be easy to miss the one that did require immediate action. Sometimes it's formatting. Because of privacy rules, you can't put attention-getting information like your Medicaid benefits are ending on the outside of the envelope in flashy type. 
And there's the language. Almost everything is, quote, a notice of decision, which excites lawyers more than average readers. But most importantly, these are notices built on top of a really complicated system. I think one of the reasons that healthcare forms are so complex and perhaps even more complicated than other types of forms you might fill out because they do depend on the other complex forms. So they depend on tax forms. They depend on, in some cases, health status, or they depend on other types of family things, depending on what kind of Medicaid or benefit you're looking for. They take the, all the other complex pieces and the other forms you've filled out over the past long time, and they ask you questions about them. The other piece is just that people's lives are so complex and so messy, that there are people whose full-time jobs are helping people fill out these forms. There's just an immeasurable number of ways someone's life can be complicated, whether it's their family situation and who's in their household and the ways that their family is connected and the children and the parents, the ways that someone is interconnected between generations living together, the ways that someone's income can be just immeasurably complicated, all of those pieces come together where you have to figure out someone's family and, well, if this is so-and-so's child, but they're living with the partner of someone else's child and also they have their stepkid with them and maybe they're also divorced, it just gets really messy really quickly if they have their grandparent who there's a dependent and then their income comes from several different types yeah. of places and this piece has the tips attached to it and this piece is, is calculated monthly and this piece is calculated annually. It just gets messy so quickly even when someone understands what they're doing understanding what they need to do with their own, how to translate their own information to fit onto those pages and those boxes is tough. If you get any of these items wrong or don't provide enough information, then that can lead to a notice to take action. It's not an emergency, but it can become one if you don't get the right information in. Sometimes, the piece that's missing is back in other pretty complicated forms. And not to be cynical about forms, but they don't always match up. The ACA, and for Medicaid, your eligibility is based on your tax household. So it's kind of brought the intersection of tax rules and health care. So that's why, you know, we've been mentioning you have to understand what a dependent is and who is your dependent. And there's, of course, in Medicaid, there's certain exceptions if you're the non-custodial parent. So it's not, it's definitely not clear cut or easy. Even resident is a complicated yeah. word. You said Vermont resident, and in healthcare, the word Vermont resident means something different. I don't know what the definition of Vermont resident is for driver's license or for other parts of law, but for healthcare, there's a particular definition of what a Vermont resident is. And it doesn't actually mean that you live in Vermont right now. The confusion gets worse whenever someone is transitioning between types of coverage. And as the caveats mount, the language on each notice gets longer and longer and more difficult to decipher correctly for your particular situation. Anytime where there's a transition from one type of system to another, whether it's from a qualified health plan to Medicare, from Medicaid to a different type of Medicaid, from Dr. Dinosaur to a qualified health plan, all those transitions are spots where someone is likely to get, or more likely to get stuck. It's confusing Some for someone who's you know, approaching 65 and approaching Medicare age, there's a whole series of decisions that they have to make. But there's also exceptions because, you know, you might be in a, a very small category who could stay on Vermont Health Connect. So the notice has to address that population. But you're probably in the majority group that should go on Medicare. And so then they have to explain how to do that. And it it's complicated to explain it in a very readable and understandable way when you're trying to walk people through a multi-step decision process. 
I think sometimes it's it just must be so easy in electricity or water to say either your water is on or it is off. You have paid off or you are behind. But when it comes to healthcare or health insurance, maybe you did the application on time and now we need to know about the citizenship of that person in the household and we need to know about the income from this person in the household and that person needs to do a six-month review because of this other reason. All of a sudden, it's not on or off. It's, it's so much more. The consequences of this confusion are significant. Remember that health insurance has special enrollment periods. If you let insurance lapse accidentally outside of those periods, it's difficult to get back in. If your Medicaid closes because now you're over income, you have 60 days to enroll in a qualified house plan. If you don't understand that notice and you miss that 60-day window, then you could be waiting until the next open enrollment. So you may go months without insurance, which the consequences are terrible. Like if you have need to go to the hospital, like bankruptcy, you've seen people with hundreds of thousands of dollars of bills because they had a lapse insurance. So the consequences can be quite dire and you really have to act in certain situations. And it's hard to explain that to people on paper when they get like a four-page notice and for them to know like this is really important. I really have to do something. I really have to enroll. There's a safety net in place. Healthcare centers throughout the state that take people regardless of ability to pay and emergency rooms that can't turn anyone away. But there's also a lot of dangerous situations we can get ourselves into if we start to ration our health care, including medications, while trying to sort out insurance status. The consequences can be life or death sometimes. Or you can especially feel that way if someone doesn't have money to get health care without this program that they're applying for. This gets us to a sort of Greek tragedy of paperwork. It's in some ways the desire to avoid dire consequences that in fact brings them about. We had a grace period to help people stay covered which leads to lots of notices and people not realizing when the grace actually ends. We build exceptions to try to make the system more fair for different circumstances. And those exceptions make notices lengthy and difficult to follow. We want to be sure everyone gets appropriately notified about healthcare decisions, so we build regulations that dictate how notices should be handled, which deploys teams of lawyers and specialists to follow the rules exactly and leaves a notice that's hard for a non-specialist to understand. There are some small changes that could help. One large, but not unimaginable, project is what's called integrated eligibility, which combines some of the disparate forms into one. At the time we recorded this interview, the state was just gearing up to launch a pilot project, which has since begun. We have been working with the state on this integrated eligibility application, which I think that they're rolling out the paper application this summer, which is basically you can apply with one application with for multiple health care programs. Part of the, you know, the issue has been that the health care programs are divided between a couple different applications. If you're on a certain type of Medicaid for the aged, blind, and disabled, you have to use one type of application and another type you can use the VHC application. And so once I think the application is integrated and it depends, it's like a technology thing because I don't know when it will be integrated online that when everything's integrated online and you everyone can apply online or over the phone I think that will be an improvement because everything will be more systematic. To be honest though nobody is claiming there's a whole lot of low-hanging fruit. This isn't a situation where hiring a particularly skilled graphic designer will clear everything right up. 
in some ways, as long as the healthcare programs and the healthcare eligibility is incredibly complex and individual, the notices are going to have to continue to be incredibly complex and individual. And in many cases, they're going to continue to be really tough to read and tough to understand because the decisions and the eligibility is tough to understand. In the meantime, if you or someone you know has run into trouble accessing healthcare benefits, you can call the Legal Aid Hotline at 1-800-917-7787. There's more to say about paperwork. Like we mentioned at the top of the show, it's being held up as a serious factor in everything from workforce shortages to whether providers can join the ACO. We'll be talking about all of this in future episodes of the Policy in Plainer English podcast. Thank you.